Hey everybody, welcome to The Student is Always Right, the show where the process is the product. I'm Alex Moore, joining me is David Stotner. Hey everybody. And every week we bring you an original story idea from scratch, conceived by the brilliant minds here at Loyola Marymount University. And this is our first episode, so it's pretty exciting. Um, anytime you start something new, it's a uh, it's a good thing, and I mean, maybe yeah. when we maybe when we started the year this year, a new semester, it wasn't as exciting because of all the Zoom stuff. But we're still we're still surviving. We're trying, yeah. yeah. So, uh, just I mean, if this is your first time joining us, which I'm sure for most people listening to the show, it probably will be. This podcast is about making basically a skeleton of um, a story, basically any type of of media that can tell a story, tell a narrative. The goal of this podcast is to sort of Get the creative juices flowing for about 40 minutes and just see how far we can take uh, an original idea. And each week, we're going to have a different subject or a rather a different sort of um, write, creative writing element that we're going to focus on. We want to have guests from a diverse like canvas of LMU, from different fields of study, from different areas like of expertise, different interests, because they have a lot of unique input that we can use to sort of develop our stories better even though we will have a guest on this show most weeks in fact hopefully every week but since we're the only people this week we're going to be the subjects of our own interview so this first question is just it's very much like the first day of class um but basically it's you give your name your major and your favorite genre whether it's book play tv show movie the like so you can go first david my name is David Stotner. I'm currently an international relations major. Um, my favorite genre, that's a tough one. I think with books, I really like historical, like drama mm. relate, related stories. But with like TV shows, I definitely like to go more like broad, like sci-fi fantasy. I just think that's really interesting. And is the reason for that because like you feel like the the detail in a book in sort of the historical context is just like more rich and enjoyable in that in that way yeah i think so and i think it's because with those novels a lot of times they deal with stuff like adversity and like these sort of unique perspectives of the time period mm. so like getting in actually in a character's head is really helpful because oh, like, like yeah. here if the story is about like someone in a certain like time period like antebellum south mm -hmm. you get a lot of you get a really like cool perspective their thoughts that yeah that, a tv show like maybe could display but probably not as well that's actually a really good point um yeah but you might have sold me on historical fiction reading <laughs> reading some books in that genre that read some i will i think i will i might have to ask you for some recommendations after but i i, I digress i'm just avoiding answering the the question because yeah you gotta it. answer because <laughs> i i don't <laughs> frankly know what my favorite genre is either my name's alex moore uh, my major is physics and applied mathematics, and my favorite type of genre is like the real world, but with a twist. So something grounded, but with a little unique factor to it that makes it like a more engaging like piece of fiction, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, whether I kind of I kind of know I know what you mean. Um, but anyway, the <laughs> the next question uh, of our interview is is a reflection. Actually, the question is. What role does creativity play in your field of study? And because I kind of ambushed you with the last one, making you go first. Will you go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, it's really easy to sort of dismiss creativity as something that does play a big part in like the STEM field. But I would argue that it's like vital because when it comes to either solving problems in mathematics or solving problems in physics, like what you have to think is it's this vast array of different tools like equations. Uh, problem-solving methods, sort of logical steps. You have that as sort of a toolkit, but it's not something that's ever really immediately apparent. So a lot of the creativity in the field involves like being clever with how you apply the things that you know and finding different ways to solve problems and different ways to sort of understand certain phenomena. Like if you're creative about the way you understand something, like Einstein's say was about his theory of relativity, then you can actually like really enhance your understanding of something or your ability to to solve a certain problem. And I, so the sort of a fun analogy that I have is like 
my the the various equations and constants that I have memorized are very much like um like an artist's like pa paint supplies or like sketching supplies. It's just sort of how I how I do art in my sort of own unique way. In my field of study, creativity is I guess really important for kind of understanding the different sort of perspectives because a big part of international relations is that there's a lot of <laughs> different sort of ways of viewing how the world works and different ways of, you know, affected by culture and sort of political thought that how you sort of partake in how you interact globally. So a big part of international relations is needing to have the ability to sort of go into the different mindsets of people, going into the mindset of like an authoritarian dictator or going into the mindset of like a, a democratically elected, you know, president and how they will interact with another person who is, you know, influenced by a completely different set of ideals and experiences. So being able to sort of creatively set your mind into like a different sort of person or perspective that's very unique from your own is really, really important for my field. So this is the point of the podcast after those first couple of reflections that we're going to introduce um, every week, the creative writing element of the week per se. Uh, and this week's creative writing element is one that I'm really excited about because it's something that I'm actually quite passionate about as, as a reader and like as an author um, and it's world building. In her essay worlds today, Marta Boni says something that I'm sure we can all agree with, and that's building imaginary worlds has always been an intrinsically human activity, which makes sense if you think about kids playing around with wooden sticks like swords fighting off dragons. It's just a natural part of the human experience. A main assertion of Audrey Isabel Taylor in her analysis of Patricia A. McKillop's fantasy work is that world building is different than selecting a setting. It's more purpose than merely being in an intriguing, exotic location. Furthermore, the character interaction with the world by identities, experiences, skills, is vital for developing themes. In Mark J.P. Wolf's article, Beyond Immersion, which explores what it means to go beyond just immersing your audience in a fictional world, he states that an audience may become immersed in an imaginary world, but unless it's built with care, they may have little desire to stay there, learn more about it, or return later. He asserts that an author must introduce their world with the right balance of familiarity and strangeness in order to keep their audience engaged. Wolf argues that when an author includes a great amount of details in the creation of their world, they're allowing the audience to change their focus each revisit to get more substance out of the story. Ultimately, an author has succeeded in building their world if the audience's experience of it has changed as the audience has changed. You can liken fan investment in a really dense fictional world to people devoting themselves to finding significance in particular areas of science, history, and sociology. Some media with good examples of world building include Avatar The Last Airbender, Black Mirror, Game of Thrones, and Harry Potter. So yeah, world building. Very exciting. Um, very exciting. So this next question is actually about the creative writing element of the week. Um, and it's when you think of this element, what type of story do you think it works best for and why? And you should answer this one first. <laughs> okay. Dump it on me. Uh-huh. Um, I think a, like world building, I mean, it. I think it works for all types of stories, but I feel like mm -hmm. novels, it's the best. It works the best. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to think of a type of story that like world building really isn't that important. The world building works best when it interacts yeah, with the story. So like Hunger Games, a big part of the story is the world sort of the oppressive government mm -hmm. like a big part of like game of thrones story is how sort of how the world interacts in this like medieval kingdom mm -hmm. so like if your story is just like you just set it somewhere just because you think it's kind of cool but then it doesn't really impact how the characters like act or think or do anything i think it's just a waste um, okay, so that, that brings us to probably the most crucial part of this entire podcast. It's deciding what this week's story is going to be. Ooh. Yeah, that's something that I don't even think, I don't even think weeks of preparation could have prepared me for this. 
I don't know about you. I really would prefer to avoid a world of like isolation because I think that's the last mm. that's the last thing I want to think about right now. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um. So would we have to go for like the exact opposite of that? Like super like super pack overcrowded. Yeah, we should. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good starting point. You can think of like overcrowded like in a sense of people or like ideas. Ooh. Oh, I like that. So how how would that manifest? You would want a very like diverse like location. Like when and how the people are. So instead of it just being like a super packed metropolis city, yeah. you could do something where like it's an intersection between different sort of societies and cultures because there you oh. have a natural sort of a ton of different sort of of those diverse ideas i guess it's not like coruscant from star wars where you, they're all just like rich senators is all yeah. you see yeah it's like everyone it's like modern new york <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so would we want it to be something like more realistic or do we want it to be something like fantasy like sci-fi or we could alternate. do fantasy because i think fantasy we should do fantasy for i think that works better for the topic we're covering this week yeah that's true because because we want it to be sort of very we want to really utilize world building to its fullest extent so fantasy and it's like a place where a bunch of people from a bunch of different cultures meet it could be like a major sort of I guess like maybe like a port city or like yeah, a or capital. Like, yeah, like a trading post or something. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I think we need to think more about what we want our story to be about because mm-hmm. that's going to inform our setting and right. how exactly that sort of is going to shape the characters. Like how many how many characters do we want to follow? If we want a uh, overpopulation of ideas, we should do a couple different characters from like multiple different mm-hmm. like cultures okay so we want to have it's a it's kind of a fantasy thing mm-hmm. we have these characters that are from different cultures all sort of converging in this one place is that a good starting point it's a good starting point so should we start should we let the story begin we should As we work on the framework of the story, we're going to have two um, equally long segments, and we're just going to try to get all of our ideas out, and then at the midpoint, we'll have a reflection, and then we will sort of finish off with um, sort of tying up the loose ends that we've created, filling in the blanks, as it were. Um, So we're about to start the first timer, and it's pretty exciting because this is our first episode and our first story idea, and who knows? Maybe we'll fall in love with this story and want to keep going, or maybe we'll absolutely hate it. (laughs) I think that's part of the fun. So I'm going to start it in three, two, one. So why are they all there in the city? Maybe... It's sort of, um, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is it a festival? Is there some sort of like special thing on the market? That's a good idea. There needs to be an event, which is bringing them together. Mm -hmm. I think a festival's a good option. It could be like the harvest. I mean, if we're going to be sort of somewhat topical about this time of year. Okay. So, okay, it's the harvest then. And people are bringing their various things, their various crops from different parts, different regions, mm-hmm. as it were, um, and different cultures and whatever. And they're all bringing them to this one marketplace. If we, because you mentioned earlier you wanted distinctions between, like, you could do classes. I mm. think a good idea would be that the ruling class of the city, sort of the elite, are like a different culture than mm-hmm. the majority of like the peasants and the right. merchants or whoever who are coming in for the harvest. So it's like what this sort of like over this looming presence of like the sort of elite who oversee the city. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that that should be one of our characters or that that should sort of be like the foil to I everyone? I think it would be interesting to have 
like one character be an elite and they can be like a sympathetic sort of window into them okay all right so maybe that could be our first character (laughs) (laughs) uh okay so what are they called what are what's what's their what's their story well we should try to build off their identity off of world building so this person's been raised sort of in luxury Mm -hmm. sort of very privileged let's let's say that they're the sort of part of the family that is in charge of organizing the the festival itself so there's like in this port city there's some people who are kind of just like rich there's like traders or whatever but like the festival really is this community-based thing so it sort of takes like a, a specific type of that group of elites to have like the willingness to go and coordinate something like that because it really is like it's not just about making money it's about sharing it's about sort of spreading the diversity of ideas so i think it's like maybe even though this person was raised with a silver spoon in their mouth they still sort of have like a bit of that um not entirely selfish what if they sort of and their family sees it as sort of a way to sort of bring the community together but like they're very misguided in that and that they think that they're being a very helpful for the mm. region but in reality sort of their like elitist class is doing some terrible things oh so then you can have the character have to come to like a realization at some point in the novel mm. of sort of the uh negative effects of like their their own family and what they're doing even though they think that they're doing good things mm. okay so it's like they're misguided they're unintentionally like sowing conflict yeah they think that they're being helpful like their aim is to be a positive influence but in reality they're being a negative one gotcha realizing it yeah yeah that's actually that's great that's pretty profound <laughs> <laughs> Um, so actually, that actually is a great transition because I feel like maybe one of our other characters then could be one of the people who sees how truly divisive this festival actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone from maybe the countryside who's horror doesn't mm-hmm. have the same, just like as a foil to the other character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's a good idea. Okay, so this person from the countryside then their story is you know your typical countryside story they're sort of raised on farm life they're helping out as much as they can and maybe the oh you know a tie that we could have between these two characters it's this this rich character it's their first time facilitating the festival and this Mm -hmm. less well-off character it's their first time going on behalf of their family there we go that's that's really good because that can int- that allows us to introduce it to the audience mm-hmm. through the eyes of the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how how would we introduce it, like through both of their different eyes? Through both of their different eyes, and sort of it's a looming thing in like the fir- in the beginning of the story as they sort of go there in the the first act, mm-hmm. sort of them going to the festival, mm-hmm. and sort of. From there, you can really add a lot of unique world building about what the festival is. So I think this is where we can add something more thematic, some sort of like some sort of tradition or practice within the festival Mm -hmm. is going to illuminate a larger message of the book or the story. Hmm. Like some, like are, are we sort of in the same same mode of thought right now, where we're thinking like it's some sort of like artifact or some sort of yeah that would be a good idea an artifact because we did say we wanted to go fantasy so maybe mm-hmm. the, the like the festival has this like sort of ritual where they're like honoring this artifact mm-hmm. but maybe it's not as as uh mundane as it seems maybe there's something sinister going on with it oh oh or maybe what if it was what if it was an artifact that only like it was like something that had to be like born like it's like a torch or something 
And it's like, it's part of the ritual to like light the thing at the start of the harvest festival. But the thing about it is it's like, it's too heavy to carry unless two people with like, I don't know, something, if there's like, if two people share a certain connection, then it can be lifted. So part of the festival is like, families come and they're like, it's, we gotta, like me and my brother, we're gonna lift this thing. We're gonna light this whatever. <laughs> this is maybe this is maybe this is cheesy. Who knows? <laughs> Sounds it's like cute. it is. <laughs> it's cute. Okay. Well, I guess the the reason the where it's coming from because I guess part of my process is like thinking about how um, you can sort of tie everything together. That's something that's very satisfying for me. Is like making sure that mm -hmm. all the all the, all, all the sort of arcs are very satisfying. But it's like, what if? the two people that had to bear the torch or activate the artifact or whatever that needed to happen. Those two people were our main characters who are like from definitely like mm. diametrically opposed things. And it's like, and yet somehow they're the way that their two stories end up converging is they're like, what? Like why yeah. are the people that have to I like do that. this? But I don't know. But how does the, the torch lighting or bearing work? Maybe it's like a sword in the stone sort of situation. Uh-huh. We're only certain, like they, they're trying to hunt for the people who can uh, bear the torch. Right. But maybe this the sword and the stone thing is a little too too cliche, too, a little too, too beat, cliche. Beat, beaten to the ground. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so maybe maybe we can we can uh, we can we can look at something else. So, I mean, obviously, like I don't know what you're picturing, but maybe it would be helpful <laughs> to paint at least some semblance of a setting in the world building episode. Yeah, let's um, do that. It's like very much like a bazaar, right? Like yeah, Just is that imagine like a like a dense sort of like medieval like city. Everyone's basically got their own small little stand to themselves, and they're kind of like trying to sell what they want to sell. Um, and maybe the there could be like really fierce competition between like the two regions of people that have like conflict against one another. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's sort of just like if if you were to imagine, uh, like Abbot Kinney, I guess, if you were to imagine that, except very narrow. <laughs> like very... Abbot Kinney meets like a Ganesha festival in Mumbai. Sort of <laughs> yeah, <I'm> yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling too. Yeah, so it's mm -hmm. kind of like out in the open, and there's all these different like storefronts and people trying to get you to do stuff and so many people mulling about interested in things like some are consumers some are vendors yeah that's sort of what the feeling is that very sort of dense packed in claustrophobic very bright very colorful yeah mm -hmm. okay so because of this is sort of densely packed place right don't don't you think that the the character who's visiting for the first time on behalf of their family is probably gonna feel a little bit overwhelmed right but at the same time the person who's facilitating it because there is so much so many working parts like they're also feeling a little bit overwhelmed but it's like mm. one is the sense of like feeling overwhelmed in in terms of experience i guess or just like novelty like first yeah novelty yeah and, and then, then the, the other one is sort of like control, the stress right? of planning yeah, yeah. um it's a good parallel yeah because i guess i'm still i don't know about you i don't know where your thought process is right now but I'm still kind of trying to converge on like that tradition and how it could be thematically relevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can, I feel like as long as we keep trying to build the world, we can come to that yeah. very naturally. That's true. So we have this very biz like bizarre type setting with a huge festival of all these people coming in. How should the differences in the people, like the two cultures be? Because I think that's something we should explore i mean it might be cheating a little to sort of look at our own world as, as sort of like an example of different um ways of like approaching things but like there could be one culture that's very much about like exploitation of, of resources mm -hmm. and then there could be another that's like more about like respective resources um mm -hmm. Uh, which could be, I mean, I guess as somebody who's very passionate about the environment, <laughs> like thinking about how like there are certain forms of agriculture that maybe are more commonplace um, 
in certain parts of the world that are more about like just sort of producing, making as much money as possible. And then there are other forms in different places of the world that are more about just like, you know, being organic or producing things or being healthy to the environment, respectful of the environment, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, the sort of the culture that's coming in from out of town is sort of more agricultural, sort of respectful of the environment mm-hmm. sort of type culture. Yeah, exactly. I think you could base them off of like uh, First Nations people in mm-hmm. the Americas. I think mm-hmm. that's a good parallel. Maybe the like uh, elitist like coastal culture. We could go with the, their colonists from another land route, but you could also do that they're just sort of divergent of the same culture. Mm. That like they were originally like all very similar, but one of them sort of developed new practices. Sort of. Oh, I like that. Sort of embrace sort of like intensive agriculture and city building and whatever and industrialization, while the other one is still using their traditional practices. Hmm. Yeah, so then they're at odds in, in the sense of, like, the th- their ancestors, like, res- out of respect for their ancestors and the traditions of their culture. Mm-hmm. There's some people, the, the more elite people, left that behind to make money. Yeah. Basically. And they to... probably, the elites probably think that their life is better this way. Mm. Because they probably think oh. that they have, they probably have more, like, manufacturing and they mm-hmm. live in their... And probably houses with like lighting and mm-hmm. all sorts of other stuff because modernization does give some benefits but you can also see those benefits contrast with the benefits of the primarily agricultural lifestyle mm-hmm. okay so then there's this tension between mo- the modern the quote modern and the quote like natural right yeah and yeah, maybe maybe that could be what the artifact represents mm-hmm. like some some sort of fusion Ooh. between those i like two me things. some good fusion food yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like that's it, like actually a good point like it could be like a metal tree or it could be like a like something that i don't know like some sort of like very powerful symbolic I don't it's know. a solar panel. It's a solar panel. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. Oh shoot! We can come back to it. Yeah, we'll come I back think, to it. I think that's the thing that's going to be our big realization is what this artifact is. The first, the first half, believe it or not, it's done. Is over. Which means it's time for our midpoint reflection question. You're, you can read this one. So for our third reflection at our midpoint, we're going to ask the question of where do we see our creative processes taking us? What do we feel is missing from the story and why? I think our creative process is taking us sort of in a really interesting direction where we're exploring the, the comparisons and contrasts between two different cultures and more like ways of life. And I think what our story needs more of is something more substantial about the primary conflict of the story. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you, would you agree with that? I mean, yeah, I definitely, I think that we're both very excited about like building the world and sort of making the characters seem similar and like sort of having like that excitement of like, ooh, like, mm-hmm. ooh, whatever. They're doing, they're similar and, their action it's a yeah. parallel so that is very much present but yeah like you were saying taking that somewhere significant like for the overall mm-hmm. purpose of the story that we're that we would be trying to tell if we were to make this into like a fully fle- fully fleshed out project yeah. product um so i think yeah. we need to build off of the contrast in the two people's cultures to develop the conflict mm-hmm. and also I think part part another part of this question is just like the why. It's like why, mm. why do why do we think that our creative processes have been taking us in one direction and like avoiding this other thing? Hmm. I think we really want to get the world building part down at least for this episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we're kind of like we're kind we're kind of exploring the characters and the plot, but it's not 
is important. You'd rather build up this like more fleshed out world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm I definitely feel like I'm a I'm very much a um like a rule follower, I think. That's definitely like one part of my personality is just being mm. like very like like straight arrow kinda. So yeah, I think part of the the process here of like being sort of in the bubble of like world building being our focus of this week. I'm like, okay, we got to really focus on the world building, but I feel like in doing so I'm losing sight of like the important part of like, you know, making thematically relevant choices. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I guess that's, that also kind of, I feel like that rigidity is something that very much is present. And I, in some like STEM professions is it's like, you know, just kind of build the, build the thing or just like solve the problem, use this method or whatever. And I think that maybe like, just because we say do world building, does that actually mean that it has to be do world building? The The problem for me that I'm trying to solve is like build the world. But I think maybe you can build the world without directly building the world. Yeah. You know? If you focus on other parts that you need in a story, other things will come in naturally as you're doing mm-hmm. it yeah sort of what you want to get is that aha moment so like if you're thinking about a character and you're like well i'm kind of interested in a character who is sort of looking for sort of a father figure or something maybe that'll reveal something about the society you're trying to create yeah so you don't always have to do the top down from the setting like thinking about the setting to create the setting you can get that from other parts of the story all right. So the the theme of this part is filling in the blanks. So basically what we were planning on doing anyway. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get started. Three, two, one. I was thinking the thing that you said about father figures, I know it was sort of like an offhand remark, but it did get me thinking about <laughs> like how important parents are in like shaping people's view of the world and like characters view of the world um and it's like because both of these characters are doing things on behalf of their families um Mm -hmm. it's like and those families hail from different cultures of like modernization versus um like sort of tradition there could be like sort of ideas of like okay well this is what I was taught by my family. But does that mean that that's yeah. something that I need to, to hold as like an absolute truth? You know, that's, that's a good, that's pretty good. That's a good idea. I think that's a interesting thing we can explore. And I think mm-hmm. it, how it is, affects the character's mindsets and how they're mm-hmm. going to have to question that throughout the story. Yeah. Okay. So with world building, then I guess a good approach about that would be like, what exactly are the effects that modernization has on the world and what are the effects that like tradition has on the world? Like what are like the, the negatives and positives of both of those things in the context of the story we're creating? If you're looking at the effects of modernization, you need to see the negatives, which are pretty easy, which would be like poverty in the cities or disease spreading. Also like pollution. Mm-hmm. You could, could easily look at like how they're polluting the nearby ocean or whatever. But you can also see the positives of Maybe it's like, like maybe a little better quality of life. Like public services exist mm-hmm. for their sort of city. Mm-hmm. Maybe better medicine. Uh, maybe they have like libraries or something cool like that. Like some unique Ooh. thing that you couldn't, you can never dream of existing in like purely agricultural society. But that's still pretty like a, a good thing. Okay, so for the agricultural society, if you want to look at positives and negatives, what would you think? Um, I mean, with agricultural society, obviously, because like not everything is super like modern and whatever, there's a lot more focus on like being like more careful of the things that you have control over. Because I think it's it's really easy to be like reckless, you know, if you have access to all these mm. modern technologies to just sort of be like, oh, like, you know, this the the food that we've been able to produce is like there's so much being produced that you can just like throw some away whereas like if you're in an agricultural place you have more respect of the resources that you're getting because you're mostly responsible or like the community that you're part of is mostly directly responsible Mm. for that 
So it's like you have a lot more interaction with the things mm-hmm. that like put food on the table as it were um, respect for the process in an agricultural society i think your relationship to the earth is is just as as important as your relationship to other people where it's like your relationship mm-hmm. with the earth becomes steadily less important the more that you like well i guess by the philosophies that we may be familiar with um your relationship to the earth becomes far less important as you sort of modernize more and more because you start becoming more self-sufficient um in in your ability to produce the things that you need to survive then obviously there's the whole component of like being in an agricultural society like if you have a bad year or a bad season that's true people will starve yeah um and you're like sort of a little a little more out of the know and yeah the lack of public services may Mm -hmm. make more difficult to to get access to like healthcare things like that education um, mm-hmm, education and man i just like it's it's so funny because i don't know if this is just like the way that you and i are as storytellers or it's just like the the general function of a process of like developing a story but it's like i feel like we're just not even talking about like a fantasy world i feel like we're just talking about real life yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i i mean that's that's interesting because it is like really i mean that's all we know that's true. Like, we base it off really, of our knowledge and experiences. Yeah. A, a fantasy world is very real in that sense. But, like, is there any twist that we could add to the things that we've been saying that, like, make it seem a little bit more distance from, like, from our world? You could do, like, a dwarves versus humans thing or something, but I feel like that's just so overdone. Okay, this might seem a little lazy, but, like, dragons, right? Yeah, we need to put some dragons in there. Yeah. Or it's like, what if there was some sort of, like, fantasy beast that, like, wreaked havoc on the agricultural villages, which caused the migration in the first place? That's a good point. We we need to be able to fortify ourselves better. Like, we need to be able to have the technology to defend ourselves. So it's like, there was some beast, let's call it a, I don't know. Maybe it's like this just, yeah, maybe a titan. But like, okay, what if what if it really was like some sort of some sort of mythical yeah, creature? I, I like what you're doing. Some sort of like Greek mythology, crazy mm-hmm. crazy bo- creature that's just mm-hmm. destroying the people, and the naturalist sort of agricultural people are like it's just a part of nature, and we have to live with it, try to mm-hmm. try to deal with it in other ways. All the people who migrated to this to the coast. Mm-hmm. see it as more of a threat they need to avoid and kill yeah okay so i am actually kind of interested in this beast now yeah I mean, let's what, create what's the perfect sort of terrifying creature do you think it would be like here, i guess here's the real question is it like are they single beasts do they do they come as one or is it like a pack Ooh. it depends on the type of creature you're creating i think if you're doing pack a pack of creatures you could you should base it more off of something that's a lot more realistic like Mm -hmm. a pack of like dinosaur like creatures Mm -hmm. based off like big cats but if you want like Mm -hmm. something really truly like out there mythical crazy you do a single one yeah i think we should do the single one then Mm -hmm. so would it just be like this giant thing or would it sort of be like maybe not giant Maybe yeah. it That's seems a, like, like it's just like a. It seems like a person, but like a little bit different. But it has like this incredible oh. destructive power. Oh, that's really freaky. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like humanoid. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. This is actually this is getting my little my little creative tingles going. I don't know about you. But it's like, what if it's because, like, because they're so humanoid? There's always sort of like this lingering suspicion that there might be one, like, among, like, just a group of people. So, like, what if the festival is actually like really dangerous, in the sense that one of these things could sort of just come in? Or no? Ooh. Hmm. No. Well, I don't know because, like. If it's just a humanoid thing, what would be the point of like modernization? You know, mm. 
like would they really need the tools to like fend it off or is it like something maybe they don't know it's a humanoid thing maybe they think it's like a big terrifying sort of creature because they only see like the destruction it causes but in reality Mm. it's just like oh like just like looks like a like a person and seems so they don't weaker so they don't know what it is yeah because they act out of ignorance yeah maybe throughout like history sort of they've lost like the the tradition of what it really is on the coast and the people Mm. in the agricultural sort of lifestyle are more Mm -hmm. familiar with it so yeah what if it's like just a really large human humanoid thing just a big guy yeah or just like something that or maybe like a humanoid that's made of like stone or like or made of wood and it has like no face how about that so it's like a like a nine foot tall nine foot tall giant human that has no face and it's made of wood okay and you know and that's and that's actually kind of thematically relevant because the like the fact that it's like made of this very natural substance um like and it's like at the same time such a threat to the culture that decided to modernize is it's like they're afraid of like the natural world in that sense to the, to the extent that they have to like make all these things you know to like destroy yeah. it basically they're like literally rejecting it out of fear mm-hmm. so yeah. what is the okay. what's the goal of this creature why is it destroying people maybe maybe part of the part of the world building is that we never know mm-hmm. it's just a so, looming natural force yeah so it's like the only the only like explanations that anyone has are like verbal stories that are like passed down or like legends it's like why it does mm. what it does it's like it attacks because it's angry that like this didn't happen or like your harvest was too good or you were selling yeah there's or... different the different cultures have different ideas of why it does mm-hmm. what it does Mm. yeah exactly but it's like the the modernized culture is like okay but we just we just want to create defense it's like who cares what the traditions say about like you weren't a good person or whatever as long as we have the technology to defend ourselves against it it doesn't matter and that's what sort of motivates them to be like okay we can kind of just live however we want now there's no like need to be as tied to the traditions that we had anymore i think we should tie in this creature to the sort of the ritual that we were talking about yeah the, i think that's I agree. that's how we piece this together maybe they think that the this ritual wards off the creature from attacking and maybe somehow the process of like lighting the torch goes wrong so they aren't able to do it to complete mm. the ritual oh okay mm-hmm. so then they're like oh my god we're gonna get attacked yeah and then what if they totally do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then the festival, this is like act three. We just completely skipped act two. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> act three is is when basically the, the two characters are forced to work together because there's mm-hmm. like this havoc of like, oh my God, this destructive beast of legend is now in the city, basically. Dave the Woodman's here. The the Woodman? What'd you say? <laughs> Dave the Woodman. They the Woodman? No, I said Dave. Dave? Yeah. <laughs> and do you find your do you do you put yourself in this in this? Woodman I think I should shoes? be the I should be the creature. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So I'm attacking people because they didn't complete the ritual properly. And it's up to our right. two main characters to sort okay. of get together. Maybe at the end of Act Two, they sort of get together, right? Sort of decide we need a we need a team up to do this correctly. I like that. And so their their goal is to prevent the destruction of civilization. I guess that united goal is like, you know, one tradition values modernization, the other values tradition the the reason they decide to work together is because it's like 
I don't know. Is it because they understand the the value of the other person's um, way of life and they seek to preserve yeah. it in that sense? Maybe throughout the novel or the story, each of the two characters gains a better appreciation for the other one's sort of mm-hmm. way of life. And so when they come yeah. together, they're like, we, I need some elements of that. Okay. In order to yeah. succeed. And do you think that exposure happens through like sort of their both initial impression of what the festival is like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can it develop naturally throughout the novel. Okay. So it would be like what the, the, the character from the more agricultural society like sees all the things that they can buy and all the things that they can purchase and mm-hmm. the sort of transportation and the services. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah. like this is so great. Like I'll be able to bring all these delicious things back to my family and be able to provide, like it's awesome that this organized whatever is able to sort of bring people together in this way. Um, But then they'll see some of the conflict that arises like from there being those two traditions sort of meshed together. And then what would the, the elitist person see? Maybe they just sort of, because they're conduct, they're sort of coordinating the whole festival. They come into contact with a lot of the agricultural people sort of they become familiar with certain like traditions or practices which just seem very appealing to them Mm -hmm. maybe they're sort of like jealous of sort of the simpler like cozy look countryside lifestyle Mm -hmm. because they're raised in like the busy city Mm -hmm. yeah like sort of like maybe like the holistic elements is really like really good Mm -hmm. where it's like it doesn't have to be one or the other yeah Hmm. and maybe Maybe, like, there could be some sort of, like, tear that the beast leaves in the city. Mm. But it's, like, it that that breaking of the barrier could be, like, the symbolic me- melding of the of the modern and the, and the natural world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of, at the end of the novel, the two sides come together. Mm-hmm. They mesh. Become one. Okay. One people. Okay. Well, this is this kind of makes me sad, but we're out of time. Oh my god. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I thought that that was going to feel like a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've just barely we've just barely scratched the surface of this story idea. Maybe we'll continue it. I think that's that's kind of the fun though. Is it's like there are so many things left to explore about this idea that it's like mm-hmm. if we really feel like we want to, we can. Yeah, we have we haven't touched on so much. We've just been this is like such a like a light broaching of it but like we've already explained so many different aspects of the story mm-hmm. we have so much more it, we could do i know it really gives you a sense of depth of like how much actually needs to go into like the development of a story yeah like we didn't do any side characters or like really develop our characters personalities or no not at all the, se- <laughs> the second act or anything or how even the conflicts resolved <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I yeah and i think sort of in the spirit of like talking about some like loose ends we can mm-hmm. just go right into the final reflection question yeah how do we feel about the story we created what are we proudest of and how was that a result of our unique creative processes and can we tie the story the storytelling that we did today to the way that we approach work in our majors so that's a big question and i think it's it helpful to probably take it yeah, let's just do it one at a time. So the first thing would be, how do we feel about the story we created? I, I like it. I think it's a really good starting point to developing a story. I think we have a lot of good mm. ideas out there. I agree. What are you proudest of? Um, I don't know how it came came up, but when we started talking about the, the monster, mm-hmm. I just I was I was very proud of how whatever we felt like we needed to accomplish with the addition of that monster felt like it was done very well. Yeah, it um, fit in perfectly with what we were developing before. Mm-hmm. But like, I guess the second part of the question: How is that a result of our unique creative processes? Maybe it was just sort of the the desire for me, like I was saying earlier to make like a satisfying arc or something that's like whole is Mm. it sort of really felt like the thing that I try to do often, especially with like 
problems is it's like you sort of fit that final puzzle piece in and it feels like what you have is like complete and it's not like frustrating that it Mm. doesn't have everything that it needs anymore um yeah i guess if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like my creative process functions very much in that way How, how do you like how do you feel like that was a result of your creative. Well, I guess what are you proudest of would be the, would be the other important question. Cause we're probably proud of different things. I really like the creature, but I also kind of liked how we managed to like really nail down the novel to being about the theme of comparing and contrasting two different sort of ways of life and how in the end they need to sort of coexist and take from each mm-hmm. other. I think we, yeah. we brought that into so many different elements. So I think that was really, really good of us. I think it just, things just came springing out naturally from other, other elements mm. we were doing. I think it just flo- flo- flowed, flew, flowed naturally. <laughs> flowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So can you tie your storytelling to the way you approach work in your major? That's kind of mm-hmm. a question. Because the, our story is primarily about conflict between two different types of people. I think that can fit into international relations because mm-hmm. the whole world's full of conflict between different cultures and a lot of them can just take things from each other that are good and sort of, instead of constantly being in, in conflict, you know, you can take sort of a combination. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I touched on it kind of with like the whole, like fitting in the last puzzle piece kind of thing. We had this idea of what we wanted to do and we had all these things scattered out in front of us and it was sort of like a matter of like what i do very often in like math and physics of like okay we have all these things here like what is the best way that we can put these things together to make the most cohesive um Mm -hmm. thing possible so i think that that probably was like i wanted to tell a story that felt like it was using everything that we had at our disposal I think we did a good job of that. I think so too. I think that was really fun. I think that was a yeah. great time. Um, I can't wait till we have a guest on to completely like upset the perspectives <laughs> that like we've had. I'm looking forward to it. I think we can have a lot of interesting people on. We'll give unique perspectives. Special thanks to the LMU IURP for funding this podcast and for helping us stay on a consistent schedule. If you are interested in opportunities for research and creative projects offered by LMU's undergraduate research program, visit academics.lmu.edu slash O-R-C-A. Also, special thanks to our mentors, Dr. Amy Ross Kilroy and Joshua Colmack butler And finally, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, or if you'd like to add any details to today's story for the chance to get a shout out on the next episode, We'd love to hear from you. Just email us at alwayswrite, that's always W-R-I-T-E-L-M-U at gmail.com. Again, always W-R-I-T-E-L-M-U at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.